1: Welcome, everybody, back to the Oklahoma Drill Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew, and of course, I got my co-host, Matt, here with me. For once, we are going to take a break from speculating about quarterbacks and the offseason and trades and free agency and all that other fun stuff with the Jets that we're used to dealing with year in and year out. And instead, we're going to start our position previews off today, starting with the offensive tackle position, arguably the most important position for the Jets to figure out after quarterback. And if they don't, it's going to be really interesting to see how their offense ends up looking. Matt, let's jump right into it here. Let's start with the guys that we have on our roster as it stands right now. And there's only three names. So let's go ahead and break that down.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of uh, skim pickings out there. Uh, well, we have Brown, who, uh, as we all know, had his shoulder injury that he had to deal with all year. Uh, and it's not exactly clear whether he's going to retire, come back. Uh, And then he still has that shoulder injury That he needs to take care of in the offseason So he's a huge question mark And his contract is kind of set up In a way where we could possibly Even just cut him um, And save I think around 10 million Uh, So that's not a horrible move to do Uh, But at the same time Again we only have three guys under contract So cutting anybody seems a little counterproductive To what we want to do Which is rebuild the position Uh, Then you have Max Mitchell Who's another question mark? He uh, he left uh, uh, at the end of the year, uh, and it turned out he had blood clots in his leg, I believe, uh, which he had to get taken care of. So he's a huge question mark. We don't know what caused the blood clots. Uh, we don't know if it's something that uh, that's going to affect him uh, short-term, midterm, long-term. We don't know. Uh, so that's a huge question mark, and I don't know if we should really rely on him until we know a little bit more. Uh, and then you have Becton. Mount Becton who, again, has missed a lot of time, much like uh, uh, some other uh, prospects that uh, we won't get into. But hey, uh, you got Beckton who has t- missed two seasons in a row. Uh, both knee injuries. So that's already a red flag right there. Uh, knee injuries, they tend to Read more knee injuries, the more you have. Uh, so, that right there also shows that tells you that he's probably not somebody that they can rely on. And what year is he going into? Is he going into his fifth year? Uh, becton
1: is going into year four. Year this four, will be but his they need fourth fourth to. Fourth season. Do they
0: need to yes. pick up that fifth year soon? Uh, yes. So, I the way that works, sure
1: that um, I'll break that down yeah. uh, for the people listening real quick. The deadline to pick up Makai Becton's fifth year option is May 1st of this year. So before his fourth season starts, if the Jets were to pick up that fifth year option, it will lock them into a guaranteed salary in Makai Becton's fifth year in 2024 of $13.5 million, which would currently be 22nd in the league for offensive tackles. So top half of the NFL in terms of payments, since every team has two starting tackles. So 22nd is top half in terms of... uh payment for becton if that were to be picked up and considering he's played sparingly as a rookie played i think it was 12 or 13 games as a rookie missed some time there played a half of football in charlotte in week one of 2021 and has not been on the field since there's a lot of uncertainty and i'm not sure the jets are going to pick up that option even if Beckton were to be healthy and i think we're all hoping that that's the case that he can be healthy get back to his rookie form and and go remind people why he was the 11th pick in the draft Even if he is fully healthy, I just don't know if the Jets have seen enough reliability out of him to lock themselves into thirteen and a half million
0: dollars in 2024. No, I don't think they could do that. That's way too risky. Uh I would I I wouldn't even think about even a contract extension. Uh I which I think is probably the better route to go, if anything, we can see what he can do this year, if he can stay healthy. Um and then just give him maybe a prove it deal at the end of it all. Uh and go from there. Uh yeah, to lock ourselves in for 13 mil without even knowing if he can stay healthy and make it through camp. Uh I can't I can't sign on to that. And well that pretty much sums up what our our tackle situation is. Uh I would it's say not that great, abysmal. Bob. Uh, not not great, Bob. Uh it's not good. So we really need a lot of work there. Uh, and the first stop is free agency. Uh, I think that we have spent a lot of money on this offensive line uh, with not a lot of, of uh, gains to come from it. Uh, you have know, CMG, who's played okay, but really not, hasn't lived up to the billing that I set for him. I had higher expectations. Uh, and then you had Laken, who was a huge disappointment. We were expecting Pro Bowl level uh, left guard play from him, and we were sorely, sorely lacking that. And at this point, so, I'll take average level
1: guard play from Lakin Tomlinson. Yeah,
0: like it. So we we've spent a lot of money. So I don't know if we're going to spend big money on the top tackles. Uh, and right now, those top tackles are who we got. We got. Orlando Brown uh, of the Chiefs, uh, who's only 27 years old, played 98.4% of the snaps last year, uh, who's not a bad option, but will be expensive. He's already uh, under contract, I think, this uh, or last year for around 16 mil. Uh, I would probably guess that he's probably going to get a contract, probably a little bit more than that uh, this round. Uh, and then you have uh, Mike McGlinchey from the 49ers. Uh, he's 28. So, a nice. Uh, again, these two guys are at a really nice age to pick up really nice big contracts. Uh, and again, I don't think we're the ones that are going to be doling out those big contracts. Uh, and then you got Caleb McGarry from uh, the Falcons, uh, also at 28, played 100% of the snaps. Uh, the, these guys are going to get top dollar. And I, like I said, not our party so then you go to the next tier. who are the guys that have starting experience maybe up there in age uh maybe even have some swing tackle experience uh my first guy is calvin beecham the guy that we've had that we know well who's been on the team for it was on the team three years i believe back uh i know he just spent yeah, three years was, in the car he was on the well, jets for a little while yeah i think it was three years uh He's a great guy on and off the field. He's the kind of guy that teammates love, uh, builds locker rooms, uh, and is just a nice veteran presence and who also has swing tackle experience. Uh, I think he's had over a 1,000 snaps at both. So if we want experience uh, that allows some flexibility and utility, I think Beecham's a great choice. Uh, Another guy I have is Uh, Cameron Fleming from the Broncos, uh, 31, so two guys that are over 30, uh, also has experience uh, with left tackle and right tackle. Uh, Both these guys, they're not going to really blow anybody away with their performance, but they're solid guys. Uh, They're guys that we can rely on if we need to in a pinch. Uh, And the last guy is uh, Riley Reeves. Uh, who also is up their age. I believe he's going to be 34, 35 once the season rolls around. But he, again, with the Bears, had a solid season. Uh, I don't believe he played as much as the other guys. I believe he only played uh, 40 to 50 percent of the snaps, But when he played, he was solid. And if we're only asking for a spot play, uh, I think that's just fine. So between all the options, I think these last three guys are probably our best bet. Uh, for at least giving us some solid depth. Uh, I don't want to rely on them to be our starters week one. Uh, If they are, that's already a red flag. Uh, But if, let's say, our starter goes down, I would feel comfortable with these guys stepping in uh, and taking the reins for a little bit. Yeah, no, I would agree. That's, That's what you're looking for with depth. You know, when it's very, very
1: hard to have enough depth to have perfectly capable starting caliber players be backups. Because if they were that good to be starting caliber players, another team with a need is going to come looking for them, too. So it's, it's you can't always expect to have the most amazing, talented depth for your backups. But with the offensive line position and specifically offensive tackle for the Jets, they're so desperate. They really need guys that could potentially come in and start. There's so much uncertainty around the starters where you don't really know. We don't know about Beckton health. From all reports, he seems to be looking very good. He's not overweight whatsoever. He looks to be in great shape, seems very motivated and confident that he can come back and dominate this year. And I know we all hope he does. Max Mitchell, recovery first for him, make sure his life situation is completely and totally sorted out before we even worry about getting him back on the field. But at the same time, if we're not even going to worry about getting him back on the field, then we got to find depth to replace that spot as well. George Vance, a free agent, very likely not to be returned. Dwayne Brown, we mentioned, you know, with his future, he could be back for another year. He is under contract. The Jets can also probably cut him and save some money. Or Dwayne Brown just might retire because he almost retired at the start of this season after that injury and played through it all year. He may just be like, OK, enough is enough. My body's telling me I can't do this anymore. And no one would blame him after the career that he's had. And I believe he'll be 39 going into this year um, at 39 years wow. old. That's yeah. No one would blame him whatsoever if he wants to ride off into the sunset. So 38. Either way, there is so much uncertainty right now. The the guys that you're looking for to bring in in free agency, if you're not going to be going after the top of the market guys, which we don't think the Jets will, we just don't think the money is there. And we've seen how going after the top market has worked for them in the past with their last two big signings. It it doesn't seem likely that they're going to be swinging for the fences. You really got to be deliberate and smart in the guys you bring in. And that's why I really like the idea of Kelvin Beecham because he's a proven veteran. He's played on both sides, like you mentioned. Locker room presence is awesome. I think he's going to be a great guy to come in and help these younger players that are still young and really continue to mold and mentor them and get the mentality in that offensive line group right. I think that's going to be huge. I want to bring up two names on the free agent market that are kind of not expected, And I'm going to be clear that I would put both of these guys after the three that you had mentioned in terms of potential depth options. But I think they could be had for cheap. And I think they're young enough that if you can turn their careers around, that maybe you can get a little bit of a steal. And the first guy I want to talk about is Andre Dillard from the Eagles. Former first round pick, didn't seem to go so well for him in Philadelphia, really struggled with his strength and ability to anchor and and own up to the the physicality and the strength that the NFL requires. You know, hand to God here, I'll admit it. I loved Andre Diller as a draft prospect. I loved him. I thought he was excellent. I thought his feet and his ability to mirror and match and, and hands and pass pro were awesome. Was a little worried about that strength. Wasn't ever the best run blocker. Had some issues where he could, going against power rushers could give him some issues, but I loved the feet. I loved the technique. I loved the quickness. I loved the the ability to be left out on an island at left tackle and match up with the speed that is so prevalent around the NFL, I think with the Eagles and the way they've been, it wasn't just quite the best fit because the Eagles want to be a physical running team first and foremost, and they want to be the biggest, nastiest, strongest offensive line. You know, they want five Lane Johnsons out there, and, and who wouldn't? And Andre Diller just doesn't quite fit in that same landscape. But I think he could be an interesting option for the Jets. One, because Joe Douglas knows him. Joe Douglas was with the Philadelphia Eagles when they drafted Andre Dillard. This is a guy he scouted and had a hand in bringing into the league. And I'm sure he's got some familiarity with them already. And I also think for the Jets scheme, which we all know now, Matt, with Nathaniel Hackett as offensive coordinator, is likely to be the similar West Coast wide zone offense they're going to want guys that can get out in space and can move as well. And I think that Dillard's ability can work well with that zone run game where you're not necessarily having to toss guys out of the club and, and be the strongest dude on the field. Your quickness can be a little bit more to an advantage. And I also think if that as as a pass protector, I know he has great skills. And I know that the, the athleticism in him is, is so hard to teach and rare that if you can get with the right guy, which I think we have in – in Carter, our new offensive line coach. I think that's the guy to get the motivation behind him, get his technique ironed out even more so than I think it already is. And I think he could be a really, really interesting option, probably for very, very cheap. I don't expect Andre Dillard to be commanding nearly the amount of money that, you know, a guy like even a Kelvin Beachum would at his point in his career, or a Riley Reef, or Eric Fisher as a free agent in Miami, or, and definitely not the top of the line guys like Orlando Brown and Mike McGlinchey. And he's only 27. So you have a guy that's still in the prime of his career. And if you find a way for him to get in, and even if he starts out as a backup or stays as a backup, but you're confident in his ability and you like what you have, that's a guy that can stick around for a while. And I think that there could be really something there. The other guy I want to talk about is is a little bit of a risk. Not not a little bit, a risk. Let's call it what it is. (laughs) Because the one problem the Jets have had is injuries. And it would be really kind of counterintuitive to target this guy at all, but with how desperate the jets are, I feel like you have to keep all options open. What about Isaiah Wynn? the former Patriots mm. tackle. Isaiah Wynn has not played in every game in a season, once in his four-year career. Has't happened. The moat he played 16 games in, or 16 games in 2021, in a 17 game season, started 15 of those games last year in 2022. I think it was nine games total before he was placed on IR. I'll go confirm that right now. Nine games in 2022 before he was on IR with a foot injury. And the years before that, as a rookie, he played eight games. In a sophomore year, he played 10. Guy has not shown that he can stay healthy in the NFL. And it would be an absolute risk to assume that this time it's going to be different and Isaiah Wynn's going to be perfect and be healthy. But if you're looking for backups... And you're looking for guys that can provide solid depth. And if you're looking for the best possible talent for the price, as well as age being involved as well, I think he might be one of the better options because Isaiah Wynn was a first round pick for a reason. He was a little bit undersized as a tackle, but his movement skills were great. He had more than enough strength and power to move. You're not going to play for Bill Belichick if you cannot win at the line of scrimmage in the run game and be physical. So we know he's got that aspect to him as well. And again, for the wide zone scheme, he's got more than enough agility and athleticism to be able to survive. I'm not sitting here raising my hand saying, I'm signed off on it. Let's go, you know, 100% on board Isaiah Wynn to the Jets. But it's a name that really caught me off guard when I thought about it more. And the more I thought about it, it made a little bit more sense. I think it could be a down-the-barrel option, and I don't want to rule anything out at this time.
0: Okay. Yeah, I can definitely see it. Uh, I just, with the amount of injuries and time that has been missed by our offensive line in the last two years, has kind of traumatized me to the point where you have yeah. a guy like Win. Uh, I, like I, I want durability even for my backup. <laughs> That's where I'm at right now. Totally understandable. And th- with this guy, with his history, just scares me. and especially with the guys that we're going to be relying on to maybe even be starters in their history. So I, I, I get it. It makes a lot of sense, but it just scares me. Oh, it's terrifying. It's
1: completely and totally terrifying. And that's why I started that by saying it's Mm -hmm. a risk and it would not make logical sense. Like you just said, with all the injuries they've had over the last couple of years to bring in a guy that's, shown to be nothing but injury-prone himself. It is absolutely the definition of counterintuitive, but the Jets are kind of at a point where they might not have a choice.
0: Yeah. That's true. I mean, there's no good answer, really, for what we need uh, and how to get it. So we're going to have to take some chances somewhere, uh, or skimp a little bit on talent, but maybe we get some durability. but Or maybe we can get talent, but then we're missing durability. So it's it's really a, a who's who and and depending on the pick your poison kind of kind of situation um right. but yeah all these guys are options uh we we kind of uh, flew right by our own options and we missed one uh and that's avt maybe making a move outside uh we he was shown the ability to the move outside in college and not miss a beat. And he kind of did the same for us when we needed to him to last year. Uh, and I feel like we can do that easily. And he offers us that flexibility to be able to do that. And maybe even go into the draft, maybe not thinking, hey, we need the, a tackle in the first round. Maybe we can do an offensive guard like O'Shaughnessy. Maybe we can do, go somewhere else or a wide receiver or something and not worry about tackle, knowing that we have AVT, uh who can fill right in at left tackle or right tackle, doesn't matter, uh, and kind of leave the our depth uh, with a, a guy like Wynn maybe or or Beecham or any of the guys that we've mentioned uh, and have Beckton and maybe Max, if he's healthy enough to battle it out for right tackle. Um, that's still a little scary i would probably still draft a, a, a tackle uh early maybe not in the first round but maybe in the second round uh i think this uh this draft class is is deep. we'll, we'll get into them in a little bit uh but i i can see AVT being an option especially when we are lacking options really
1: Yeah, I think he absolutely is an option. And I actually want to explore this a little bit more because you brought up a really good point in terms of flexibility, where as it stands right now, we're assuming AVT is going to play guard. McGovern is a free agent at center, yet to be seen whether he's going to be brought back or not. I think I'm leaning towards the fact that he won't be brought back. And I think the Jets could certainly look to sign a veteran or draft somebody to learn under a veteran in that aspect. Uh, and fix that center position. We know Lakin's going to be at left guard. That we know for sure. And so you have questions at both tackle spots. And theoretically, if you move AVT out to, in this case, left tackle or right tackle even, you have a guy that you're confident being a solid player who we've seen evidence of being able to play tackle in the NFL on a whim. where before the Pittsburgh game, he gets kicked out to, I believe it was right tackle for that game, and played flawlessly. That was absolutely excellent. And at pretty much every week since then, he was in a new spot, depending on where they needed him. We know this guy can play tackle. He was a tackle in college. He played tackles last year at USC and was good enough to be a first round pick. The question with AVT was arm length. And so that kind of led him to being moved inside where everyone, including us, said he's going to be an all world guard inside. He'd probably be a pretty good tackle anyway, but he's going to be really, really good at guard. We've seen that come to fruition and we've seen him survive at tackle. The flexibility aspect, if you're looking for a guard instead of looking for two offensive tackles, you only need one and a guard. Or if you Beckton can stay healthy and you're looking for more depth, you're looking for a depth tackle and a starting guard. The guard market, just looking at free agency, is significantly more lucrative than the tackle market right oh, now. Yeah, there is so many more options that you could have at guard that aren't going to break the bank, but are still solid veteran players that know what they're doing. First and foremost, Roger Saffold. I would, I would love the idea of having him at guard, having a bigger guy that can be that mover to create space off the line of scrimmage. And he's played in schemes similar to this before. He spent time in Tennessee, um, under, Oh God. What was the, who's the Falcons head coach? Arthur, Uh, Arthur Arthur Smith. Smith. Um, when Arthur Smith was the OC in Tennessee, same sort of scheme that was under Matt Lafleur, who's again, West coast Shanahan system, all the same stuff there after him. Um, Further down the line, you have Trey Turner in Washington, who was the former Carolina guard, got signed for a year in Washington on a one-year deal. He's going to be a free agent, still relatively young, really solid player that would help out the on the inside a lot. And then a name that Jets fans are probably familiar with in Ode Abushi, who had kind of a, a career resurgence in L.A. with the Chargers, has so since gotten onto the Rams, played pretty solid football there. Finally, Dalton Reisner in Denver, another younger player, plenty of starting experience, not going to probably cost all world amount of money to where he's going to be the highest paid guard in the league, but you might be able to get a, a quality starter and not have to break the bank. And if you're looking at an offensive line of AVT and Beckton at tackle Lakin, whoever at center in this case, let's just say McGovern for the sake of ease and then Reisner or an Abushi or a Saffold, that might be a better overall unit than trying to find two new offensive tackles and maybe you get into a situation where it's Kelvin Beecham ends up having to be your starting left tackle and you have Beecham, Lakin, McGovern, AVT, Becton. There's a lot of different situations and combinations that you can make. And I think you give yourself more options moving AVT to left tackle or right tackle or either any tackle spot in general to free open a spot at guard. I think it's an easier path to get a guard than it would be to get a tackle. That said, if you're looking at the future of this team and where things can go and and rather more so than just what can we do to solve the problem in 2023, I think that's where we got to go next Matt because you alluded to it, this offensive tackle class in the draft is freaking awesome. It's it. freaking awesome. There is so many great tackles in this group. This is I cannot remember, the la- quite honestly, Well, the last time I remember having this many good offensive tackles in one class was 2020 when the Jets took Becton, and you had Jedrick Wills and Andrew Thomas and Beckton himself and Tristan Wirfs, and, and there was still some other guys behind that. It's, there is so much talent in this offensive line group, and the Jets have, in my opinion, a, a primes pick at 13th overall to where I think they're going to be plenty within range of one of these guys. And I think they're all graded similarly enough, at least for me to where I have about, I have about four or five players that they could take at 13. And I would be perfectly happy with any of them. Wouldn't hear any complaints whatsoever. And the pick would get a grade of an A for me. You don't have to, I think if the jets want an offensive tackle in the draft, they can, they can get one. It's as simple as that. So what's, Let's start there. I want to hear your first guy that we're going to highlight. We're going to highlight a couple of guys here as prospects that we really like. Matt, go ahead and lead things off because we're going to, we got two guys that are kind of polar opposites a little bit.
0: Yeah. So I'm going to go with uh, Peter Skronsky of Northwestern has uh, kind of fit the mold of the, uh, the Northwestern tackle with uh, shorter arms, but very technically sound. Uh, and he's a baller. This guy is, has plus strength. Uh, both upper body and lower body. Uh, I think he's got a great anchor. Uh, and like I said, he's technically sound. I, I always see him just doing the right thing, always in the right spot, has his head on a swivel, looking for people to mess up. Uh, and I like that. I like a guy with a little bit of Ed and a guy that can really just get into the face of defenders and maul them when we need to maul them. has decent movement skills. Uh, so, I think he can survive in our wide zone um, but again, uh, he has those short arms, so it 's going to turn a lot of teams off, uh, much like uh Slater and much like guys like Worth, where they look at these guys and it they they have kind of like an old school of thinking of you know, if they 're this short or have the this short of arms, not tackle, move them inside, and he very well may be moved inside at the next level. But you know what? Teams are going to first try to find out if he can play tackle. And I think he can. Much in the same vein as the other two guys I just mentioned. I think he has all the ability to do it. Uh He's not perfect by any means. I know you've are you, you, you found some flaws to his game. uh I believe with his footwork or his uh, uh, ability to explode out of his stance. I'll get into uh, that in a sec. You'll get into that. But I think for what he is and what he's able to do. I think he's got a very high floor Uh, and his ceiling may not be as high as others that uh, we might mention. But at the same time, I think what we need is safety. We need reliability. Uh, We went for bold when we went for Beckton and we missed out on guys like Werps who had uh, maybe a a lower ceiling, but at the same time, again, a really high floor. And I think that's Skronsky this year, I think we get him, we know we have a solid option, and he gives us flexibility, much like AVT. And I love guys with flexibility. We can move him inside. We can keep him outside. I would try him out outside first and see what happens. I I love this guy. Yeah, I like him a lot too. I want to be very, very clear about this because this
1: is going to be one of those players, uh, buckle up everybody, that Matt and I are going to be debating about for months where you are significantly higher on him than me. And not to say that I don't like him at all. I do. I like him very much. And he's going to get a first round grade for me. It just might not be an offensive tackle. And quite honestly, I'm not as much worried about the length with Skoronsky. My issue with Skoronsky is his ability when transitioning from getting out in his kick slide and firing to the edge against a speed rush. When that rusher, when he matches that speed and the rusher says, okay, you've caught me. I'm not going to win the corner. Now I'm going to transition to power and I'm going to look to bull and run through you. I've seen some struggles with him and his ability to transition from firing out of his stance to then anchoring, getting his feet in the dirt, getting his feet under him and holding his ground. I've seen a couple instances where he gets caught off balance and I just don't know if he has the transitional footwork to be able to go from I need to get out to the edge as fast as I can to match this speed. Oh, I matched it. Okay, now it's time to anchor down without getting walked back into the pocket. And the reason for that is his, foot, his uh, foot quickness is good, not great. He isn't the absolute fastest, quickest, most athletic guy in the world. So when he's going against rushers that have a good first step and have good speed to the corner, he has to kind of sell out to them a little bit. He has to kind of really get out in his stance and kick out and fire hard because otherwise he's not going to ma- match their speed and they're going to get the edge on him. That kind of leads to him overselling to the outside, and that's when he can be a little bit off balance and get walked back. Personally, outside of that, I love the guy. I absolutely, for all the reasons that you mentioned, his technique is awesome. He looks for work. His attitude is great. Dude moves people wherever he wants to in the run game. In the run game, forget about it. He is an ass kicker. He will pick you up and throw you on your butt over and over and over and be right back for more the next play to do it again. And I love that attitude. I love the, the awareness and the smarts to always keep his head on a swivel, has no issues passing off stunts or twists, looks for work. All of that is great. And I'm looking at this guy and I'm going, you could probably survive at offensive tackle. You'd probably be pretty good. I don't know how good you'd be. I don't know if we'd ever be sitting here going, Peter Skaronsky is one of the best offensive tackles in the league. But you put him inside at guard and I think you have baby Zach Martin. And that's very, very high praise. And I say that for a reason, because I think this guy could be we're talking about Peter Skoronsky is one of the best guards in the league because he has the strength. He has the ability when he isn't firing out of his stance and off balance to anchor and hold his ground. I think he would have no problem being on the interior with defensive tackles or interior linemen and being able to hold up against their power. It's not that he's weak and it's not that his his arms are so short that, you know, he's never going to survive. It's just that one ability to the outside when if you don't have the, the great foot quickness to always stay controlled in your sets and be sitting in the chair and not have to oversell, that's when you can kind of get caught slipping. And if you don't have the ability to transition to anchor quickly... Then I feel like it's a situation where if I'm a defensive end and I'm studying Skaronski's tape, I'm going, I'm firing out of my stance on however many first reps as I can, and I'm going to try and get the corner. And it doesn't even matter if I get around him; I just want him to sell out to it. And the second he sells out to it, then it's three steps inside arm, long arm, bull, and I'm walking this dude to the quarterback, and that's it. That scares me. It's it is a a major major concern for me, and it's why I think if I'm looking at these guys as an uh, an analyst. I always want them to be in the best position to succeed. I never want any prospect to fail. I want every prospect to be as good as they possibly can be, and I want them to go to the best position to achieve that, those heights. And for Skaronski in particular, I really think that's going to be at guard. That said, if the Jets take him and he ends up playing at offensive tackle, I think he's quick enough to execute the scheme. I don't think it's a, a problem where he's not athletic whatsoever. I think his athleticism when going forward and when getting on the move and run blocking is better than it is going backwards when he's in his pass set. And I wouldn't be too concerned about that. I think he'd be perfectly fine on play action. I think he's a guy that would be smart, pick up the scheme really well. He's going to be good in the locker room. There's been no questions whatsoever about that. Guy that followed in Rashawn Slater's footsteps at Northwestern and took up, uh, took over the job for him and played admirably. And his sophomore season, he looked fantastic. He looked absolutely excellent as a sophomore, and that's where, to start this past season, looking ahead at when the 2022 draft had just finished and people are going, well, what's going to happen in 2023? Peter Skaronski was being talked about as a top-five pick because he was so good as a sophomore, had a little bit of a down year as a junior, and kind of came back down to earth. Where I think you have him as, what, your offensive tackle two right now, Matt? Yeah, he's two for me right now. Yes, yeah, so he's your second, he's my fifth offensive tackle. And that's kind of the the difference and disparity between the two of us. That said, he's your I still one have a first round <laughs> grade on. He probably would be my number one guard, quite honestly. If I was ranking him as a guard, I think he probably would be. He would give Osiris Torrance a a, a real real run for his money. Because as much as I love Torrance, the one thing with him is he's really not that fleet of foot and he's kind of scheme dependent you really kind of need him to be in in a man blocking scheme and a power scheme where he can down block and tight pulls to the inside and get up on the linebacker you really kind of don't want him in space or or being on the backside and having to reach block a three tech to the front side that's that's not the game you want from torrents but i think skaronski might be able to do that enough and still have the power and the strength to just throw people around on the inside and i know for a fact that he's smart enough to handle that switch i wouldn't have any concerns about that whatsoever i really like this guy and i don't i want people to to hear that i don't want anyone to think that i'm sitting here and and i'm anti-skaransky i'm not this dude's a great player and and if i'm looking at things of who am i sure is going to be a really good offensive lineman in in this draft class he's probably one of the first names i'm going to pick where if i'm just going who do i know is going to be a good player in the nfl i know skaransky is going to be solid whether it's a tackle or whether it's a guard, at the very least, I know he is going to be solid, and he does have that high floor. But I'm a sucker for ceilings, and, and I'm, I'm not ashamed to admit it, I especially in the first round. I think the first round is about physical eliteness, and the first round is about finding those guys with the high ceilings. Because this is the NFL level, everybody is talented, everybody you know, can hone their technique and is going to be coached, assumingly is going to be coached by the best of the best, you're going to have guys that are, are only going to be so good because of their athleticism and they've kind of maxed out everything else that they can learn. So I look for the guys that that have ceilings that are limitless. I look for the guys that have ceilings that that don't go that that have no end. And the guy I'm going to highlight next, I absolutely fits that bill and that's Dewan Jones at Ohio State. Holy crap. This dude is a freaking Mountain. monster. Mountain, six foot eight, 368 pounds, I believe it was, as he measured in at the senior bowl. And his wingspan, this is the absolute insane thing that I cannot understand. His wingspan at the senior Bowl was measured in 89 and a half inches. If he goes to the combine and measures in with that exact same wingspan, which I'd be surprised if his arms randomly get bigger or okay, shorter, and it would be the longest wingspan in combine history. Period for any player in any position, the longest wingspan in combine history at 89 and a half inches. The the size and the length with Dewan Jones is something you can't teach. And it allows him to have a very, very unique play style where for a lot of other guys that big, and the Jets have seen this with Mikay Becton as well in the same sort of vein for guys that big, you're naturally not expecting them to have the quickest feet. And I was just talking about, having to sell out to the corner. And and if you don't have that quick feet needing to fire out, and that's when you can overset and guys can kind of get in your chest if you're off balance. The thing with Dewan Jones is he's so dang big and he's so dang long. It doesn't matter how quick his feet are. It, it really doesn't because they're, they're quick enough to where he's not caught out of position and he can get to the outside. And he can just keep guys at bay with his length so easily that they have to take a 14-yard arc just to get around him by the time guys are even close to getting by him, the quarterback's already thrown the ball for two and a half seconds. And that's that is a rare skill. And that is something, like I said, again, you can't teach on top of that, just watching the tape. In terms of pass protection, this dude is so much more refined than he gets credit for. His technique is great. His hand placement is awesome. Yes. His snatch and mm. trap technique. For, for people that don't know what a snatch and trap technique is, if you're ever watching an offensive tackle, it's usually a technique against power rushes. When defenders, when they're rushing, specifically bull rushing, and they're trying to get all their momentum into a push and get all their hands forward and run a guy over, they're going to be leaning out over their toes. And they're waiting to make contact so they can have a force to lean on and then drive off to create pressure and, and bench press the offensive tackle off of them and get to the quarterback. A snatch trap technique for an offensive lineman is as soon as you see that uh, defender going out to rush you, you snatch their hands in midair and throw them to the ground. And you trapped them into going for that power move and literally just knock them off balance and throw them flat on their face. Dewan Jones does it just about as good as anybody in this draft. Period. So power moves are, are, are already a problem for him because I don't know how you're supposed to move him or run through him at 6'8 and 370 pounds. He's got the length to get into your chest before you can even get close to him. And then you try that power and he's just going to grab onto your hands and throw you face first into the dirt. Like it's nothing. There is a, a, the, the independent hand uses there, the ability to reset and counter back to the inside is there. And again, he's so big and so long and so wide. The, the angles to get around him, whether it's on an inside counter or just to the outside are so much wider than it would be for other players. It gives him like an unfair advantage. It, it really does. You go to the run game, he can get a little lungy. That's kind of my negative with him is that he gets a little bit too far out over his toes because he knows he's so big and strong. He's always just trying to move guys out of the way and throw them into the dirt as hard as he can. And it can lead to him getting a bit off balance and a bit over his toes. But when he does it right, it looks like Mekhi Becton at Louisville, where he's driving people out of the screen. When When he does it right and he's taking on a blitzing linebacker, and he's trying to, you know, fold to the outside and get up on the blitzing linebacker, and he meets him head on, it's like the linebacker ran into a cinder block wall. They're, they don't go anywhere anymore. Their momentum is immediately stopped, and Dewan Jones doesn't even flinch. This dude is a rare, rare specimen. That He's a specimen. That is absolutely and totally what he is. And he's a lot more refined and polished than he gets credit for. I have a higher grade on Dewan Jones than I had on Mackay Becton. Quite honestly, I don't think it's close. I, yeah. I don't even think it's a competition. If I'm comparing no. just purely the two of them as prospects going, who coming out of college, Mackay Beckton at Louisville, Dewan Jones at Ohio state. Who do I like better? It's Dewan Jones 10 out of 10 times. And I really think that the dream scenario of having an offensive line where your two bookends at tackle are Becton and Jones with <laughs> AVT on the inside as well to, to throw some people around. That is a, a
0: devastating, devastating offensive line, and I would love to see that come to fruition. I wouldn't mind it, and I was, I was looking forward to hearing what you had to say about him in the run game uh, because that's what I was most worried about because his uh, ability on the move is just not what I would look for exactly for a tackle in the wide zone scheme. Uh, his footwork is a little clunky at that, but like you said when you have that kind of wingspan it just makes things so much harder for defenders uh, and that's uh, that, that notice that popped right away when, when you see him play um, and yeah I, I could see it and I had a lot of reservations with then coming out mostly because of his size and I was worried about injuries and lo and behold what's his biggest problem right now injuries uh, I don't believe DeWa Jones has had the injury issues uh, so far, that, like Becton did at Louisville. He nope. I, I, played I, in every game, every game uh, uh, this past for... season, and I believe every game the season before, too. And I believe I saw a tweet around the Senior Bowl that he was at some crazy uh, body uh, fat uh, percentage, and it just yeah. didn't seem... 24%. 24%. 6'8", 368
1: pounds with 24% body fat.
0: That is wild. So I am not so much worried about the injuries with him as I would be with other tackles that size. So he gets my full blessing. And yeah, I agree. I have him ranked above where Beckton was as well, uh, just because of how refined he is as a pass blocker. Uh, It's so impressive watching him fold defenders like accordions, And not just like uh, bums either, like guys that have names that will be drafted you can see him just demolish them and yeah. treat them like little kids. It's it, it's He tore up the Senior
1: Bowl. He only was there for one day, and then he had some concussion symptoms where they held him out for the rest of the week of practice for out of pure uh, precaution. It wasn't, again, talking about injuries. Anybody can get a concussion. This isn't an injury that you can relate back to his size. It's just the nature of football. And it wasn't even confirmed that he got a concussion. It was just concussion symptoms. And out of over precaution, they wanted to hold him out. But for day one of practice, Dewan Jones was arguably the best player in Mobile. And it didn't matter who he was going up against on, on the defensive side, whether it was guys like Isaiah Foskey, who I absolutely adore. Um, he made Andre Carter look like he didn't even belong in Mobile. You know, it didn't matter who he was going up against. He was throwing guys into the dirt And when you play in the Big Ten, you play against great competition. He's passed those with flying colors, too. I'm I'm sold on this guy and I know I'm going to be higher on him than others because people are going to be scared about the size and they're going to question the quickness. And I understand all of that. But guys like this are rare. Guys with this build and this size are rare. And if he hits the way that he could hit, we're talking about the
0: next John Octon. We're talking about a Hall of Famer. Like, Quite honestly, that's his ceiling. Yeah, I, I can see it, right? He's definitely in my, he's got a first round grade for me. Uh, all the positives you said, I agree with wholeheartedly. Uh, it's just a matter of where, where, where do you rank him right now as in your tackle? Oh, this is so tough because the, I know
1: for a fact the top three guys in my rankings. I know Paris Johnson's my offensive tackle one. We've already talked about him a little bit. I'm sure we'll talk about him more as time goes on. I know he's going to be one. I have Darnell Wright from Tennessee as my offensive tackle two right now, but the more and more I think about it, the more I think it might be DeJuan Jones. And if he's not two, he's three, guaranteed. So at worst, he's my offensive tackle three, but my grade
0: for him and Wright are practically equal. See, another thing between him and Wright, they've pretty much only played right tackle. Uh, so are they only going to be looked at as right tackles? So overall, that would lower their grade. I don't know if that lowers their grade for us because, hey, we could use a right tackle just as much as we can use a left tackle. I, I, it's not going to affect me
1: i I can I understand versatility absolutely, and there is a positive to that, especially with the offensive line and the ability to move guys into different spots and like we're talking about, the flexibility to solve problems and have guys play different positions when needed. There's absolutely something to that. But if a guy's just a damn good right tackle, there's nothing wrong with being a damn good right tackle. And I'm like you said, the Jets need both. So I'm I'm not gonna let that influence my thinking. I am confident that whether it's at, at, even if it is just at right tackle, if Dewan Jones is just a right tackle, then like I said, he's a darn good one. Absolutely. All right, Matt, anything else you want to add in here before we wrap this one up?
0: I, I just think that we have, there's a small path here where we can build the depth. We can find the young talent. We can get them behind this fiery offensive line coach to teach them up. Uh, who's going to work them hard and get these guys to a top run-blocking, pass-blocking offensive line, one that no matter who our quarterback is, who I'm not really worried about right now. I, I said this before on, on Twitter that I'm not as worried about who our quarterback is because I know that whoever we get, whatever vet we bring in, he's going to be better than what we had last year. So what right. that, that frees us up to pay attention to the next big thing, which is our offensive line. And we have the path in front of us where we have some options not a lot but we do have options to improve and i believe a lot of the guys that we mentioned uh are part of that yeah i think
1: so too i i started the show by saying this and i'm going to end it in the same way because i i truly and honestly believe it after quarterback this is the most important position the jets have to figure out this year and and i don't even think it's close do they need uh, to figure out their free safety spot absolutely do they need to figure out who else is playing defensive tackle? Because Quinnen Williams is the only one under contract for next year. Absolutely. But if they do not get this offensive tackle situation figured out, I'm not sure it matters who their quarterback is. Because if their offensive line is still the same as it was at the end of this past year, where they couldn't block anybody in the run game, they were allowing free rushers, you know, at a moment's notice, George Vance getting walked back into the pocket of anybody else. If he's not holding because he was beat off the snap, uh, you know, Dwayne Brown had his issues as well. If, if they don't solve this, I think their offensive line is, is going to suffer and it's going to hurt whoever really is under center, even more so because they're not going to have that ability to be stable. And I go back to this. I've said this on the show before, and I'm going to keep bringing it up. Br- like years ago at this point, Matt, when our friend Vitor was still with us on the show, he had mentioned something when talking about the Saints a few years ago. And he was talking about this when Sean Payton was still there and the quality of offense they had and how the Saints always invest in their offensive line. Even to the point where pe- some people might consider it over-investment, they don't care. They want to be good up front every single year. They just did it this past year, taking Trevor Penning in the first round again. They had Teron Amst- Armstead for so long before that. They had taken Ryan Ramchek, They had taken Cesar Ruiz. You know, They've taken a lot of offensive linemen very, very high because they value that position a ton, as they should. And what Vitor said has stuck with me since it came out of his mouth. He said, "I know the Saints are always going to be able to move the ball because of their line, where they can run block and they're going to create space. And even if it's the running back gets five yards that were blocked for them, well, the line's going to get them five yards, and the pass game is going to have time to operate because quarterback's going to have time in the pocket. They're not going to be immediately getting pressured. They're not going to have to check out of other plays. They can stand and wait and wait for someone to. If the timing of the play is thrown off, they can wait for someone to break off and get open. Having a strong group up front." allows you to be a successful offense. And I don't know that you can be a successful offense without having a good offensive line, too. Mm -hmm. I really do think that they're one in the same, and it's a hand-in-hand situation. So, yeah, the Jets absolutely need to figure this tackle situation out, and because if they don't, it's going to be their Achilles heel going into 2020. I agree. All right, guys, that does it for this week. Thank you all for tuning in. Uh, appreciate you stopping by and listening. Got some big news happening with the Jets in just a few minutes. NFL honors going on. We will see if Sauce Gardner and Garrett Wilson can take home their offensive rookie of the year and defensive rookie of the year awards. By the time you guys are hearing this, it will probably already be known. Hopefully that is the case. Wishing them most of luck. Matt, let's go ahead and wrap this one up.
0: Uh, Matt, you can find me at ZazzyJet.
1: And you can find me at Andrew Golden underscore 17 and make sure you're following the show at OKD podcast as well. Thank you guys one more time for tuning in and we will be back real, real soon. Bye-bye.